Welcome to Power of the Cross Radio Sermons with Pastor Farrell Wilson. Brother Wilson is the pastor of the Lighthouse Church in Grenada, Mississippi. The sermon you are about to hear can also be downloaded at www.grenadachurch.com. We know you are going to be blessed. Now, on to the message. You would turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Give you just a moment to turn there. If you're joining us by radio, we welcome you also. Don't forget, you can support us on the radio by clicking on how you can help right there where we you click live for the stream. If you're joining us by other places, you can just go to cross.radio and click on how you can help. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I feel so inadequate to stand behind your desk. Lord, you allowed frail human beings to bring your word. That's the method you chose. So therefore, Lord, I'm asking for an anointing this morning to preach that word. It's not about how well we delivered the message. It's that anointing that is behind it, Lord, that breaks the bondage. It breaks the yoke when the word is declared. And Lord, your word promised that no matter what, it wouldn't come back void. We declare that today over our lives in this church. and We ask it in Jesus' name and we say amen. I've got a chess piece up here in the sermon I want to title One More Move. My earthly father, he taught me how to play chess, and I taught my children how to play chess. I've taught Matthew and Zach both how to play chess. It's a it's a game that's pretty good to learn. It teaches children a lot and gets you to thinking, but I am no expert at it by any means. I know enough just how to play it. Every time my dad would sit down and play me, I, I don't think I ever won against him. He'd always beat me at chess. But if, if you know anything about the game of chess, <clears throat> you know it all comes down to whether the king can move or not move. It's called checkmate when the king can no longer move. That's the object of the game is to capture the king. And once that king is trapped and he can no longer move, it's declared checkmate and the game is over. Now you can be in check. A check just means you have to get your king out of that position, but when your king is in trouble and it's over with, they call that checkmate. I noticed something unusual this past week that gave me the thought for this sermon is this painting here. This painting once hung in the Louvois Museum in Paris. It was painted by Frederick Ritchick, and the painting is popularly known as Checkmate. And the painting depicts two chess players at the table, One is Satan, who appears very confident, arrogantly confident. And the other player is a man who looks defeated. Now, if the story goes, if Satan wins, he gets to keep the man's soul. And this painting hung in the Louvois Museum alongside other famous paintings in a room, such as uh, Mona Lisa. And I got to checking something that was strikingly Odd to me is I actually been in this room when that painting was hanging. It hung there until about 1999. Now, I can't tell you I remember seeing that painting. I just know I was there, and I I got to read, and that painting was there at that time. I was in that room. I wish I had paid more attention. 
But this room is just full of paintings like this that are just miraculous to say the least. But there is a unique story behind that painting. One day in the Louvois Museum, a chess grandmaster come up on this intriguing painting. And he stared at it a long time and he got to looking at the chessboard. And finally he noticed something that was very surprising. He said that the typical interpretation of the painting was incorrect because the typical interpretation of the painting was that the devil was about to win. But this chess master had stared at it and he said, that's just not the case. He said, the king has one more move and what looks like the player will be defeated, he'll actually win. Now, there's a lot to be said about that spiritually. Think about the implications behind that. It's the devil is about to win, but the king, the king has one more move. It, when I, when I started my journey in Christianity, one thing that always stood out to me about the Bible was the people in it. Not necessarily, don't take this the wrong way. Yes, I know Jesus Christ is the main figure of the Bible, but the other people really intrigued me. Because if I was somebody that was going to falsify something, I would have never put my failures. I would have never wrote them down. I would have never said, well, you know, on this day I was a drug addict and here, and if I wanted to make myself look good throughout history, I'd wrote about all my victories. I'd have never put my defeat. But if, as you look through the Bible, is the story of people that have failed, and it, it looks like checkmate in their life, and it, and they get into bad situations. I just know humans when they get into bad situations, they try to cover it up and they try to do anything they can to get out of it, and yet they end up failing. And the Bible always just struck me as authentic. I said, you know. The, the Word of God shows how people time and time and time again get into these checkmate situations and their life is in ruins, but God, through His grace and mercy, always provides a means of escape. And one such person was Lot. If you look in Genesis 13, now Abraham's nephew Lot, he was in a checkmate. It seemed hopeless and it like no means of escape. Now Lot and Abraham had separated in Genesis 13, and Lot, it says, pitched his tent towards that wicked city of Sodom. And when he did, when he got to, well, he, he finally moved to Sodom, and when he got there, basically a world war started. The kings of Babylon, Elam, and Goem, and Elasar, they, they whooped the snot out of the soldiers from Sodom and Gomorrah. In fact, they ran them through a valley of tar pits and the soldiers of Sodom and Gomorrah, it was so bad, some of them fell into those tar pits and drowned and what was left of them, they ran to the hills and hid. And when this war was over, the conquerors, these kings that had come down, they took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah, including their entire food supply and what the, anything they had left. And in this, they took Abraham's nephew Lot captive and confiscated his possessions since he was living in Sodom. Checkmate. We put ourselves in these situations. Lot had no business in Sodom. He knew better. 
but yet he desired to go over there. And in the midst of this, now this is before God had, way before God had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah with fire, obviously. But look at all the trouble he got in by not doing the things of God, by going to an evil and wicked place. Now in this story, someone escapes and told Abraham about his nephew Lot. Now keep in mind, Abraham was, well, he was called Abram at the time, was no uh, angel himself. He had gone to places God told him not to go. He lied left and right. He tried giving his wife away a few times. He did. <laughs> he showed up immediately. He said, well, this is not my wife. This is just my sister. And if it hadn't been for the Holy Spirit on the journey, uh, working with the Pharaoh, some bad things would have happened. And again, Lot had moved to Sodom. So we're not dealing with people that were perfect. They had messed up. They had messed up bad. Genesis 13, 13 said this about it. But the men of Sodom were wicked as sinners before the Lord. Listen, exceedingly. Now, the Lord loved Abram and all his family because of this. It wasn't performance. He loved them because of faith. When you go to Hebrews chapter 11, you start understanding why the Lord intervened and why the Lord did what he did. Abraham believed God. I'm not telling you it's okay to sin, but I do know this. When you have messed up and you're in sin, one thing counts with the Lord, and that's believing him and having faith. If the devil could stop Abram, what a mess it would have been for the church. Things would have, I don't know how it would have worked out. And I guess we could speculate all day long and it really wouldn't matter. But if Abram would have been stopped, I believe the devil would have won. God knew this one man and his son Lot meant so much to his plans. God still had a move. See, it wasn't checkmate for God. It looked bad for Lot. The devil was saying, I got him now, and it's checkmate. But God said it's not checkmate. Here's what happened. God still had one move left. Abraham gathered 318 of his trained men, and they went during the night. And Abram and his service divided the forces. They got into even smaller groups. They surrounded the enemy and ran them down, pursued them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. And listen to this. You ought to pay attention. Abraham recovered all the goods and brought back his nephew Lot with all his possessions, the women, and all the other people. You know that old song? I went down to the enemy's camp to take back what he stole from me. The devil declares checkmate and it's over. We got a whole nation right now that is, is laden with sin. It looks like we're going to be in another mess for two years. And the devil is screaming, checkmate, I've got it now. But don't ever forget that our king still has one more move. It's not over till God says it's over. And we serve a king that is an awesome God. When the devil takes, God restores. Come on now. <laughs> when the devil takes, God restores. And listen to this. Now, you may have been like Lot. 
You may bit off a big old piece of stupid. You may have went someplace you shouldn't have been. You may have been taken captive by that sin. But God said, I got a move left. God said, I still have one more move. My turn, devil. Don't you underestimate God in these last days. I've been guilty of it myself of, you know, preaching depressing sermons, but every once in a while we have to step up and remind the people too that God is faithful. God told me that sanctuary would never come together. Oh, excuse me, I got it wrong. God told me it would come together. Oh Lord, I sound like Joe Biden up here. <laughs> I can't be too critical of him. <laughs> God said He's going to build it. I know. I knew that'd make you laugh. The devil said you're not going to make it. And you know what? What may look like checkmate was really just a check because God has not had the last word. Thank you for listening today. This radio station is listener supported, which means we rely on your donations to keep us on the air. We're a non-profit organization, so your donations are tax-deductible. We're on the air 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, playing Christian music and teaching programs. We have something for everyone. We're asking for your help today. We need your prayers and your financial support to stay on the air. Won't you please make a donation today? You can make a secure donation by going to our website at www.cross.radio. Thank you for your support and God bless you. In John chapter 8, there was somebody else that stood out to me. It was an accused lady. This one here reminds me of a lot of the modern church. It really does. It looked like checkmate for this woman to be killed by angry men with stones. Jesus is about to teach to a group of people. He's about to have Bible study at the temple. Jesus sat down. The people are gathered around him. And ain't that just like a bunch of religious folks to come and interrupt? But they were. Here they are. He's about to have Bible study. And they, the religious leaders bring his poor lady in and throw her down. And then they begin to accuse. She had messed up bad. I'm not going to make light of her sin now. She had committed a very bad sin. Adultery. The religious leader brought this woman to Jesus in shame-filled, humiliating circumstances. Could you imagine how that would feel to be caught red-handed? In fact, some theologians I was reading through said they actually caught her in the act of doing this and snatched her up with what she had on and threw her down in front of these people. She was held against her will, a prisoner under the custody of religious police. We still got them today. I mean, notice she was and she wasn't caught with wasn't caught with just a boyfriend. She was married, and it wasn't her husband. It was the very act of what the Ten Commandments tell us not to do. It was adultery. And you have to understand, this is still Old Testament period. If you know this or not, there was a penalty for this. A very serious penalty. It was death. That's what was supposed to be done. That's what God has said to, uh, that would be done. And the religious meant to kill this lady. 
But more important, they wanted to do, they wanted to trap Jesus the King. If he said stoner, all of his teachings about forgiveness were thrown out the window. If he said forgiver, he would be belittling the law of Moses. And the devil said, checkmate, I've got him. There's no way out of this. I could just honestly see the devil sitting back laughing. I got him this time. He, he, there's no way he can get out of this. We did it, boys. I can't wait to see how this one turns out. But the king <laughs> had one more move. He still had a move. And he begins, he stoops down and he begins to write in the dirt like he didn't hear him. He ignored him. He didn't say anything. He just gets, scoops down in the dirt, starts to write. Read the scripture. He ignored him. What did he write in that ground? Over the years, I speculated myself. I, I can't imagine what he wrote. But during this time that I studied this, I got a little bit more of a hint of what he wrote. I'm not 100% sure, but there's something odd about the Greek language because the word write in the Greek is graphene. And that's not, and that's what is usually used for the word to write or to scribble. But there's a different word used here, and it's called catagraphing. And it means to write down a record against somebody. You know what I think he was writing? After all these years of ministering, this is what I truly believe now. I think he was writing down the sins of the religious leaders. I think he was writing down what they had done. Maybe not their name, but he was writing down adultery. He was writing down theft. He was writing down about mammon. And they kept asking him, what will you do with this woman? The law says she must die. Merciful Jesus stands up and tells them, any of you got a sin? If you don't, go ahead, stone her. Go ahead. Kill her right now. And from the eldest to the least, they begin to drop their stones and walk away. I love this part. He looks at the woman and goes, where is everyone? Is there anyone left to accuse you? She said, no, sir. Jesus told her, I'm not going to accuse you either. You got to go now, but don't sin anymore. Man, what a wonderful, uh, just a wonderful story. The devil had this lady marked for death. Because the result of sin, we've re really all been marked for death. You can't sit there hypocritical in that pew and say, you know, I've been so good and I had committed a sin like adultery. You know, we all have sinned before the Lord. Matter of fact, Romans 3 and 23 says we've all sinned to come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. And the devil cries out, checkmate. You've been accused. But the king still has a move left. Because only the king can stand up. And say, I don't find any fault in you. All of us, spiritually speaking, are like that lady on the ground. 
standing in the queue before religion of the world. And the king says, I still have a move left and it's called the cross. And the blood of Jesus says, I find no fault in you. Hallelujah. Now, there's a story of a traveler from many years ago. This I don't know. They may still do this. I don't know. But this was a long time ago. And he was in a logging area just walking through and seeing the scenery. At that time, they would take trees and logging areas and they'd chop them down and throw them in the river or stream and they would pick them up, easy mode of transportation. But he noticed that these loggers, they had this long hook and occasionally they would jab certain logs and pull them off to the side. And he watched this go on for a while and it wasn't many, just every once in a while he'd grab one and pull it out and he got curious. And this traveler went to the logger and asked him what he was doing. He said, well, you're looking at them. You probably don't see what I see. They just look like logs to you. But I noticed that most of them going down the stream, we had pulled out of a valley. And in that valley, the trees are are not subject to the winds of the storm. And they grow up in a pretty mild and tame area as far as weather. And the wood is coarse. And there's not much use for them but other than lumber. But the ones that I'm pulling out, I can see the difference. And what it is, those are the ones that were at the very top of the mountain. And because the wind had blown them, and they had to go through storms since they were little, the wood is much more fine and compact because it's had to take a lot of stress through the time. My fr- And he's, he said, there, it's not ordinary lumber. We can take those out and use it for something greater than just Lumber, we can use it for fine furniture. Oh, there's a lesson here. I hope the light went off. God lets us go through storms sometimes, even in our fault, even things we've done. And God allows us to get in those checkmate situations. But the grain of your character is being shaped into something that God can use you for. Because we're all going down this stream of life and every once in a while God sees something in somebody and He snatches them out. And He says, I want that one there. Just like that lady that was laying before these accusers. He sees something in that lady and snatches her out. Like the lady by the well. He sees something in her, travels all that way. It was no accident. He goes and finds her and been married so many times. Nobody had had nothing to do with her, but yet she become a minister of the gospel. He has set aside you for his hardest work. You know why? Because you've been through the storms. You've been through the rough times. In in ministry work, in witnessing in this godless world that we live in, it's not going to be the weak people to get it done. The people that have sat peacefully in the valleys and they've never experienced the storms in life, God can't use them. I'm not trying to be mean, but you have to go through something before you can be used of God. That's why He allows them. You have to understand it's never checkmate with God. God still has one more move. So often in life, we look at the world, we consider it to be a mess. We have what looks like we're about to enter war. I read an article yesterday by a man, the sex military, 
And he said, the United States is so unprepared for war. He said, nations like China have leaped light years beyond us. And when Obama had entered office, he turned our military into a social experiment of things of sexual nature that have nothing to do with defending our nation. We're faced with deadly pandemics on every hand now. And I don't know if it's hype. I don't know how real it is because there's one side of it. We know people have died and there's another side of it. that We see people die from vaccines. Me and my wife this week, I've lost count of the people locally, people we know with families, extended families, uh, people that are popular in the media, just dropping dead for no reason. We've got worries on every hand. Unemployment. They're laying off people in tech sectors uh, at amazing rates. It's coming at all economists from what I'm reading on liberal and even CNN is now reporting this, that we are headed for a financial disaster. Marriages are struggling like never before. People think marriage now is just something you just go say at the altar and that's it. If you don't like each other, we're just going to get a divorce. Me and my wife were at this concert and there was a little precious lady next to us she leaned over to us before it starts and i might raise my hands that gonna offend y'all i my wife said no ma'am i said we're church of god minister oh good my daddy was an old tiny church of god minister hallelujah <laughs> she was ready now <laughs> if she could have danced around that place she would have i promise you but she looked at us and said, how long have y'all been married? My wife told her, 27 years. She almost started crying. She said, that's almost unheard of nowadays. I lost my husband not long ago. We've been married 59 years and I can't wait to meet him in heaven. Struggling marriages everywhere. Politics has so divided us. I used to like talking about politics, and you know when they wore me down, it's getting bad. Oh, I got to where now I'm just having full of, I just don't even, mm, don't even get me started. When we feel so isolated, this, these past two years have been horrible. Really three years now, we've all been isolated and held captive in our houses. I could go on and on and on, and people are disillusioned. Don't really have no hope. They gave up on church. They gave up on God and Jesus. People begin to feel lost and are lost. We look for direction. And with so many times, we're like Lot. We've taken that wrong path. We've headed towards Sodom. We're like the lady. We went and committed a sin we know we shouldn't have done. We love the Lord, but yet there we are and we did it. And it looks like checkmate. But you have no reason to fear game of life is not over. It's never over with God. When I looked at that painting, I seen myself sitting on the other side of that and how many times the devil has set me up for failure. How many times I've put myself in that situation. But our Creator still had one move left. The King still had a move in our lives and our future in His hands. And the Lord Jesus is the only King the only one that will never be defeated. God doesn't give us what we can handle. He helps us handle what we're given. Now, I don't know what you're going through today. And really, to be honest with the church, 
unless it's just on your heart to tell somebody it's really none of their business. That's between you and the Lord. But today, you have somebody I know that loves you. You have a king on your side. If you're listening by the radio, maybe you don't even know if you're saved today. Maybe you're just as lost as you could possibly be and you know it. Today, you can change all of that. And I'm not going to say the prayer, but it just, it comes down to this. You ask God to forgive you of all your sins. You accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You believe He arose the third day and is now at the right hand of God. And I can promise you that cry for help to the Lord, He'll meet that need. You may not know everything now. It may take you years to even begin to learn a few things of the Lord. This is a lifelong journey, not a one-day event. And for those of you here today, don't give up. Yes, there's rough days ahead, but our King still has a move left. And I believe we're going to see the greatest harvest the church has ever witnessed before the rapture of the church. Don't give up now. Lord, give us strength in the days ahead to keep going. We need your help, your anointing. Lord, we need you to be behind this church a thousand and one percent, Lord, pushing us forward, God, opening the doors we need open and giving us the strength and the ability and all the the tangible things we're going to need by your blessings. Lord, be with these people as they go out the door. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. We say amen. We're so glad you joined us today. This is the place to come for the best in Christian music and sermons. We know that life can be tough, but we believe that God has a plan for each of us, and we want to help you find that plan. So please, stay tuned for more messages of hope and encouragement. Here at Power of the Cross Radio, we believe in the power of prayer. If you have a need, visit our prayer wall on the website at www.cross.radio. We also believe in the power of Christian music to touch hearts and change lives. So please keep listening. And if you know someone who might need a little encouragement, tell them about Power of the Cross Radio. We cover a wide mix of Christian music. Check the website schedule for more details. And if you have any questions, email us at info at cross.radio. You can also call us at 662-294-0608. Thank you for listening, and God bless. Power of the Cross Radio is a production of Cross Faith Ministries. You can visit their website at cfministry.com.